Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast for another episode. And hard to believe, but we are now staring down the quarter mark of the season. And of course, it's an awful long run to the end of the season, which I couldn't do without my trusty sidekick, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, my man? Well, here in Minnesota, we're at DEFCON 5 after uh, this Sunday. So uh, basically, uh, the world is going to end. Uh, Dogs and cats living together. Uh, all the fun stuff that we learned from Ghostbusters, it, it's coming to fruition here in Minnesota right now. So you mean like Cleveland wins, Buffalo wins, Tiger wins. There was one other thing. I forget what it was. But yeah, Armageddon is upon us, I think. Yes, Armageddon is upon us. And it's really, it's, we're feeling the brunt of it here in Minnesota where the Vikings managed to lose to the Bills. Uh, Jimmy Butler wants out of the city uh, to go play somewhere else. And uh, basically, uh, where the... We're basically the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on all of the sports here in Minnesota. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't want out. I want to keep doing this with you. How's that? Does that make you feel any better? Well, exactly. At least we've got this to look forward to each week. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to this week's BPN News. So I'm going to throw it right on over to you, and let's see what Mr. Harley Schultz has for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The Minnesota Vikings were stunned by the Buffalo Bills Sunday as Vegas reports that this was the biggest upset in 23 years. Well, almost the biggest upset in 23 years. That still remains Jeff Fisher making the playoffs. (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a torn ACL Sunday, leaving San Francisco with C.J. Beathard poised to start the rest of the season, barring a trade. When asked if the team would consider bringing back Colin Kaepernick, the Niners staff responded, I doubt he would take that big of a pay cut to return to football. (laughs) The Los Angeles Rams sustained injuries to their top two cornerbacks Sunday. With a short week, both Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters are doubtful to play against the Vikings. Los Angeles fans shouldn't worry too heavily, however, When you consider how bad Minnesota looked against the Bills, they should not need them. (laughs) Kerryon Johnson eclipsed the 100-yard rushing marker, making him the first Lions running back since Thanksgiving Day 2013 to achieve this milestone. To celebrate, the Lions promptly brought the lifeless corpse of LeGarrette Blunt back into the game on the very next series. And finally, 
Baker Mayfield entered the game Thursday in relief of the injured and ineffective Tyrod Taylor and immediately led the Browns to their first victory since Christmas Eve 2016. Talk about Santa leaving you a sock full of coal. The Browns must have been really naughty that year. This has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, um, it was like they won the Super Bowl, but you know, it was well-deserved. That team needed to get the monkey off their back. They've played much better than that record indicates this year, um, but I will point this out. Um, they are not in last place in a division. The Pittsburgh Steelers are currently. Um, also, <coughs> the New England Patriots have more losses than the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland has a better record than the uh, Patriots. That's correct. So, and they got to have, they got, you know, they need, my, my wife's listening probably, so I'll make her feel good because she was extremely happy, even though she couldn't watch the game. So she didn't see it until I had, had to replay the game for her. But anyway. What's really ironic, though, is that if Cleveland had had a legitimate NFL kicker from the start of the season, 3 0. They'd be 3 0. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. And they played that well. They really have. Um, yep. I told her, I said, you know, <laughs> Some people think that the Browns can make a run for the playoffs. What I'm going to tell you is, do you think they're going to be 7-9 and nine or 8-8? Eight and Because eight? that's possibly something that they could pull off. And if they do, those two kicks, I mean those two games that they lost due to a kicker, that turns 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight to what could have been 9-7, and 10-6. and six. So, yes, they could have lost a playoff, game, playoff spot already because of that. But I'm, in, I'm excited to see what happens for them. Well, it's interesting we were talking about Armageddon prior to the news, and uh... – I think we've just witnessed another aspect of Armageddon. Now, for our listeners that don't know, we actually record this live on Monday nights during Monday Night Football, and Peyton Barber just had a 20-yard play. This might be the first time all season that he's had a 20-yard play. This might be the only time all season he will have a 20-yard play. And, of course, what immediately happens is they throw the ball to Cameron Brait for the touchdown. Well, you know what? They're on fire, too, down in Tampa. Is Jameis going to get Wally Pitt? Maybe they'll send Jameis to San Francisco. Nah, that's not. That would be interesting. I actually thought that Tyrod might get sent there myself. Um, It wouldn't be out of the realm of things that could happen, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that they're going to stick with Bethard, but, or Bethard, whatever you want to call him. That probably is a good segue for us to talk about the fantasy impact of what Armageddon did to the quarterback position this week. Yeah, I mean... We lost 13, 14% of the quarterbacks in, in the league have changed from last week. But in a sense, is it really considered a loss with some of the ones that aren't starting now? Let, let's pour uh, pour a little beer out for the likes of Tyrod Taylor and Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford and, oh, Nathan Peterman. Poor Nathan Peterman. <laughs> of course, we, we'll, we'll say that laughingly, and of course – we also do feel upset for the loss, obviously, of Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, who a lot of people were planning on using to to ride uh, into the playoffs, from a fantasy standpoint at least. Yeah, and I heard an interesting take on the radio today on Sirius. Um, Garoppolo is not young. You know, he's like 26, I think. He'll be 27 next year. And he doesn't have a lot of NFL experience. So I think some people thought that, you know, San Fran could make a run for the playoffs this year. But if not, it was still going to be valuable experience that he got starting a full season. And now that gets put on the back burner. So you have to wonder what it does to their timetable. I think with Shanahan as coach, he'll be fine next year. Um, But that's just something to marinate and think about. But, hey, listen, I'm more interested in how do these changes at quarterback impact our fantasy um, 
players going forward, guys like George Kittle, who I own, and, and I'm like, okay, now what happens with Jimmy G out and Bobby, Bobby's son, not Bobby, is it Bobby's son or is it his nephew or what? I think it's his nephew. nephew. Okay. Well, Bethard at quarterback. Bethard at quarterback. Okay, well, there's six primary skill position players on the uh, San Francisco 49ers that teams have been starting from a fantasy perspective so far this year. Okay. Matt Breda, Alfred Morris, Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, and George Kittle. Okay. Now, before we decide exactly what effect we feel C.J. Beathard or quarterback du jour is going to provide for those six guys, I, I want to do a quick rundown of the teams that San Francisco is slated to face the rest of the way. Okay. Uh, next week, they're at the Chargers. The Chargers' secondary is good, not great. Their run defense is also good, not great. Arizona, the following week, who have been awful against the run. They have one very good cornerback yep. and a complete emptiness on the other side of the field. At Green Bay, who have no secondary to speak of and whose run defense is just middle of the pack. But it is at Green Bay where they always tend to play a little bit better. Oh, you said middle the Los of the pack. Angeles Rams. You said middle of the pack. I see what you did there. Exactly. The Los Angeles Rams at home. Uh, Rams obviously lost a couple of their cornerbacks for at least the short term, but they still have a very, very strong interior defense uh, at Arizona. Uh, Oakland at home. The New York Giants, who have one very good cornerback and not much else on defense. Then they're by. Coming off their by, they're at Tampa Bay, followed by at Seattle. Two teams with questionable secondaries, but solid run defenses. Then they finish up the season with four straight at home versus Denver, versus Seattle, versus the very tough Bears, and versus the very tough Rams. Considering that schedule, do you see any of these players worth using on a regular basis? Yes. Um, I think that George Kittle, the, probably the initial reaction is, oh, goodness, there goes his value down the, the drain without Jimmy G. But do you know what the, the relationship is between Kittle and, and Bethard? They were college quarterback and tight end. Yes, so that should be a plus. I think he's a given. He's going to be solid. Maybe not as solid, but he's not going to be ignored, right? Well, and I think you almost have to consider that, consider the – desperate times we've reached in terms of the tight end position this year. Yeah. And then I think that Alf and Breida, who of course is dealing with a knee injury right now, hyperextended knee injury, um, which makes Alf a better play this week probably, um, I think those two will have fantasy relevance going forward. Pettis, forget it. I don't want any Pettis or Trent Taylor or anything like that at this point. And I'm concerned with Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon. Um, Garçon will probably have safer value going forward. Goodwin's probably going to be very hit or miss. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about Beathard's uh, depth of throws and in terms of his skill set, but I do know that last year at the start of the season when Beathard took over as quarterback there, yep. he did target both Kittle and Garcon a lot before yep. Garcon got hurt. And I think it's basically, too, going to be more of the routes that are run, quicker hitting type things to Garcon that he can get comfortable with. Um, and I bet you that, that Kyle will try and you know make sure that the plays get called that benefit them the most, but that's why I think you're going to see a lot of um, pass catching ability from Brita because of that, as well as you know Kittle working middle of the field and stuff. So, 
that's where we are. I don't think that the wide receivers, I was expecting a big year for, for a good one, but I don't think you'll get the consistent type of play that we were hoping for without Jimmy G in there. Yeah, good good one was always kind of be that guy who had the speed to take off the top of the defense, but I just don't trust the arm of Beathard or I know they brought in uh Tom Savage uh for a tryout today and that's almost more disgusting. Yeah, Savage yelled in not yelled in, um Yates rather. Whole bunch of nobodies. Oh god, a, b- a bunch of has beens and never were's. Yes, exactly. Okay. Anything else you want to add? Aging Colin Kaepernick, right? Uh, they say that he's not a fit for the offense, so who knows? I changed the offense, but okay. Well, that's one team that we actually had good thoughts for coming into the season that has been kind of derailed by the quarterback injury. Yep. A team that we were really down on coming into this year, based on other injuries, just changed their quarterback, and that's going from Sam Bradford to Josh Rosen. Now Arizona. Uh, faces Seattle at home. Then they travel to San Francisco, who are very bad against the pass. They travel to Minnesota, who are very good against the pass. Then they face Denver, San Francisco at home. They get their bye. And then they have a couple of softer games. They play at Kansas City versus Oakland, at the Chargers, at Green Bay versus Detroit, at Atlanta before finishing the season with a tough game against the Rams and a mediocre game against the Seahawks. That soft middle there for Josh Rosen, will this give him enough time to get on page with uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and make that offense possibly worth something? Again, realistically, they only have four skill position players that have been active for teams uh, from a fantasy standpoint. That's David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and Ricky Seals-Jones. Yeah, and, and David Johnson gets pulled from the most important play of the game because he missed a blitz pickup so that they could have a teachable moment with him as they watch you know, the backup running back not get a first down that Johnson most likely would have gotten. Um, I, nothing could happen right now that would make me feel good about any of the Arizona players. Um, towards the end of the year, yeah, maybe you might be able to stream someone, um, but I'm still not high on it. I just am not. What is the tradable price value of David Johnson right now? Um, what would you feel comfortable, I guess, giving up to get David Johnson? <laughs> it wouldn't be enough to get him more than likely. Because here's the thing. We're still we're in week three because since Monday Night Football is playing, we're not out of week three yet. While the draft, once it's over, that capital should not matter one bit, right? So James yes. Conner was a free agent ad or a last-round pickup, right? Well, you can't get him for that cost today. But people continue to put that value on their players. As the season goes along, they tend to let that wane some. But right now, I think people would be too attached to the cost of what Johnson was to take anything that would be reasonable. I don't even know if I can come up with something off the top of my head that would make me feel good about obtaining him because you want to trade for him because you think that there's upside I really don't see any kind of avenue to upside. Not even with that soft middle schedule there. Um, but I don't want to trade just for the middle. I want the end of the season. I want, that's what I want. I want that, that rush. If it was reversed, then maybe. I might look at it that way. But <clears throat> I just I love David Johnson, the player, but I just don't like that situation this year. I'll die on that hill, and, and it might kill me. But I just, I'm avoiding it. I, just, I can't think of anything I'd give up for him where I'd be happy about it. Well, another team coming into this year that we really 
were down on was kind of assumed that they were going to be really bad. A lot of people thought they would go 0-16, including every single person in a survivor pool who has now been eliminated this week, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Josh Ellen took over technically a week and a half ago. Uh, they've got Green Bay on the road. They're at home versus Tennessee. They have two on the road against winnable, potentially winnable games against Houston and Indianapolis. Uh, New England at home. Chicago at home. At the New York Jets, who have already played them tough. Uh, a bye that following week. Jacksonville, very tough defense. At Miami, who have been very, very good on defense this year. Uh, again, you get the Jets at home. Detroit at home, which is a winnable game, possibly. At New England. And then Miami at home. Now, there's five players that you probably didn't want to start, but maybe on your roster from the Buffalo Bills, that being LaShawn McCoy, uh, Chris Ivory, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, and Charles Clay. Now, I just don't know if we can trust those guys week in and week out. I really feel this was more of an aberration this week. It absolutely was. Um, As somebody that owns Shady in Dynasty, I haven't even been starting him. Now, this week, because of the injury, it was an easy knock not to start him. Um, but he's somebody also like Johnson that, especially in Dynasty, he's got very little value from a trade standpoint because who's going to give you something of value for a guy that has negative game script written all over him? I mean, I know that you say you know, going on the road is never easy, especially with a rookie quarterback, right? Especially yeah. with an offense that's so devoid of talent at wide receiver. So even though Green Bay doesn't have a secondary, they don't need one, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be close. I think they're going to be coming off that win and they're not going to be able to to stack it, they're going to be too full of themselves, if that makes any sense. Um, Tennessee's not an easy game. I don't care if it is at home. At Houston, Houston is a lot of things. One thing it isn't is I don't think it's a pushover at home with that defense. J.J. Watt is back to being close to J.J. Watt. So you look at that stretch, Indy's horrible on, on defense. I get that, but it's in Indy. So that would take a net plus and make it a net net for me where it's just a push. But then you've got New England, Chicago, the Jets, a bye, Jacksonville, Miami. I mean, that's, oh, that's like, ugly. That's it's, ugly. It's murderers, <laughs> it's murderers row. So, yeah, I mean, at best at this point, I'm looking at, at Shady McCoy as a flex play when all else fails. Well, and, and part of me kind of doesn't even want to see I, – I'd almost rather see Shady McCoy – be hurt for the rest of the year. No yes. offense to your team, but no. at least then I would know that I didn't have to start. Him. No, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I've said that many times in the past, where somebody will get hurt, and I'm like, remember I've said, I think that this actually did fantasy owners a a solid by making you not have to make the choice of starting him because you would want to. This takes it out of your hand. You don't have to get worry about getting screwed from it. I don't disagree with you from that aspect of it at all. The one potential play there is. Uh, to keep in mind is if McCoy does miss more time, uh, based on volume alone, Chris Ivory could be a potential DFS play. Yeah, obviously he looked good against a very good Minnesota defense that played like they were up drinking until four in the morning last week. But uh, they might have been. They very well might have been. Uh, I've heard some rumors circulating about some issues regarding uh, their defensive end Everson Griffin, but uh, obviously those are just rumors at this point. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But uh, it, it's not pretty for Josh Allen, and if you yeah. are expecting, if you were expecting to count on any member of Buffalo's offense, you're probably not going to win this year as it was already. So, hey, listen, yeah. look at that stretch. Now it makes sense. Get into the coach's head. Get into to Sean's Sean's head, 
and it makes sense why he wanted Peterman or what's the dude from Cincinnati? Um, AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron starting and not putting his rookie quarterback. That's, I mean, that's seriously, that's murderer's row, basically. That's yep. baptism under fire for sure. So they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Josh Allen's going to be strong as hell next year. Well, that's, that happened to all those quarterbacks in, uh, in Cleveland over the last uh, 15 years, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, well, uh, lastly, speaking of Cleveland. Speaking of Cleveland, yeah, Baker Mayfield. Now, his schedule is probably the most appealing of all of them when you look at it on paper. Uh, first up, they're at Oakland, uh, followed by a tough game at home against Baltimore. A uh, mediocre game at home versus the Chargers. But then they face Tampa Bay on the road, Pittsburgh on the road, which should be both shootouts. Kansas City, Atlanta, both of whom have problems in their secondary. They get their bye. Then they come back. They, they're at Cincinnati and at Houston, both of which could go either way. Uh, both teams have some holes in their secondary. Uh, Carolina, who were just burned in their secondary this past week uh, by Cincinnati. You've got at Denver, who are not the same Denver Broncos they were three years ago with Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris. Uh, no more Tlaib, and Harris is not playing up to his normal leg. Then they face Cincinnati at home before going on the road to Baltimore. So a fair amount of possible games that Baker Mayfield could be a flex, possibly even a quarterback, too. Yeah, not just him being a flex quarterback, too, but, I mean, you're talking about um, – his name just jumped out of my head. Guy from Miami. Ryan Tannehill. No. Jarvis uh, Landry. Yes, Jarvis Landry. You've got Jarvis Landry. You've got Njoku. You've got Callaway. And then you've got Carlos Hyde and, and even Chubb at some point. And, and Duke, Duke Johnson. Johnson. They decided to go get him back involved in the offense. So I actually I think that Landry's a definite start week in and week out, even with Baker in there. I don't have any problem with that. He showed a lot of poise, made some tough throws. If you go back and look at him, the windows of some of those completions he made, they were small. They really were small. So maybe they weren't advised, they were ill-advised or not, but at least he had the gumption to make those throws. Um, So I think that Landry's fine. I think we see Njoku um, spike with Baker being added. Because here's the thing, Tyrod, even though he wasn't completing a lot of passes, he's also deducting from the passing game when he takes off and runs. Baker's not mm-hmm. going to do that near as much. So that means there's more offensive output to go into the other players. Um, I still think Hyde and Chubb and all that's going to kind of be a bang-your-head type thing. I don't think any of those guys will ever be locked down solid, running back two starts that you feel good about. They're more flex plays. Um, but Callaway, I think, can develop too because, look, he had a pretty eh line this week. But look at the couple plays he missed on that were so close to being big plays. Um, no more Josh Gordon there, I think, helps him. A lot. And I think it yes. helps Landry, too, because I was not sold on Landry if they were going to have to get Josh Gordon involved. So I, I'm i not selling any of those Cleveland players. I'd be buying before I'd be selling. It, there's hope for Cleveland, after all. I mean, yeah. like we said earlier, they could have been 3-0 and this year. I mean, realistically, looking at the schedule, there's uh, two or three games in the next six they could win. Uh, maybe a, another couple three afterwards. Uh Will Cleveland finish with a better record than Pittsburgh? It would not surprise me. Um, I think the three toughest games they have coming up are going to be road games. Road games are always going to be tougher at Pittsburgh, um, at Denver, at Baltimore. I actually throw four in there, even at Houston, I think. I think those are the toughest games that you're going to see them have to face. Atlanta's winnable at home. Kansas City's winnable at home. I'm not saying they will, but they're not a pushover team. Uh, they weren't a, 
0-16 team last year, even though they were, if that makes any sense. That they, does. They, really they does. truly were a better team than that record indicated. And at the end of the day, you are what your record is, right? Yeah, okay, bull, whatever. But no, they weren't that. And they're a lot better this year, um, especially defensively. Man, that defense is scary. Well, like I said, uh, scary things happen. And uh, unfortunately, the scariest of things happened this past week in Daily Fantasy, and that was watching chalk plays fall flat on their face and watching great pivots come in huge. Now, the the winners in the uh, Millionaire Maker and both FanDuel and DraftKings avoided the obvious play of Julio Jones that we suggested last week and instead pivoted to fellow Atlanta receiver Kelvin Ridley, who went absolutely berserk. Now, again, that just kind of reiterates the fact that sometimes the chalk doesn't pay off. You know what? Don't get me going about that game. What was there, like 10 touchdowns? 10 total touchdowns, I think, in that game? And somehow Kamara didn't get any. Hold on. Julio Jones had none. Calvin Ridley had as many touchdowns in that first half as Julio had all of last year. There were two rushing touchdowns the entire game out of 10, and Drew Brees had them both. Drew Brees had them both, exactly. I mean, look, Kamara had a fantastic week. Um, but yeah, no Pater. And you would you if I told you we've got a seventy point game or an eighty point game, how many touchdowns combined do Alvin Kamara, Julio Jones score? What would the over under? You would hope at least one. The, would the over under <laughs> on that would have been three or four, probably. Three, yeah, I'm guessing three would be the uh, three would three would have made you tough because you went, oh, I can't be two, eh, three. Oh man, four could be t- three. Would have been a tough number to, to bet on, right? Well, Zero. When you can when you include also in their. Uh, Tevin Coleman saving his day with a catch for a late touchdown on a catch. Oh, <laughs> it just, it really, it was weird. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I really don't. Well, hopefully we can give some better reads this week during our DFS segment. Yeah, I hope so. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't feel good about it. I looked at this slate. I think it stinks. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm not alone then. Um, no, there, there's, a, there's a lot of ugly this week. There's a, there's a few... You know what? This is probably the first week this season that I felt good saving money at quarterback because there's a fair amount oh, of values there. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, we might as well get right into it. Let's go right to quarterback. Quite honestly, there's nobody priced above $7,000 at DraftKings. I, I had to look twice. Isn't it? <laughs> I had to look twice and go, what am I missing here? What am I missing? But here's the problem. And not that it's necessarily a problem. When it doesn't matter how high the prices are, if they're all high, right? It doesn't matter yes. how low the price is, if they're all low. It's all yes. relative. So it comes down to what the difference is and what it allows you to do, though. Um, to me, it was hard to pay up for somebody because there was really nobody that I would consider having to be paid up for at that salary level. But I picked Brady. Okay. Uh, well, this will be interesting because my stay away was Tom Brady. He almost was my, I, He was almost my stay away also. I'm not going to lie Before I get into that, I'm going to say my pay-to-play, which was Philip Rivers okay. versus San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco has been destroyed by every quarterback they've faced so far this year. They're allowing an average of just over 300 yards passing per game. They've given up eight passing touchdowns already. Plus, they just lost Richard Sherman for the foreseeable future. So Rivers should have no problem getting back on track at home versus the Niners this week. I don't disagree with that at all. 
Um, there's nothing to support playing Brady against a much improved Dolphins defense. Um, Xavier Howard looks to be one of the better cornerbacks in the league. But the Patriots are 1-2. and two. They're going back home, and it just feels like a massive Brady Gronk day. You know, uh, I, I can't argue with you there. I really I thought about from that standpoint, but then I looked at his price at a six hundred on FanDuel, and I didn't really like that. No, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of it I think is going to come down to whether or not Josh Gordon is good to go for this coming week. And that's because at the that... end of last week's at last night's game, the Patriots were down to two healthy wide receivers. Opponents are double teaming and sometimes even triple teaming Rob Gronkowski right now leaving Brady forced to dump it off to the running backs. That's really all he's got to throw to now. Uh, Chris Hogan and James White, basically. Yeah, did you, uh, did you see how they, they covered Gronk on that one play? It looked like it was a well, punt. It was, it was a punt coverage, yeah. yeah. Well, the Dolphins have allowed back-to-back 300-yard passers, so Brady probably will have a shot at getting to 300 yards. But they've only allowed two passing touchdowns through the first three games. And worse yet, they've caused seven interceptions thanks to that, like I said, new look defensive backfield that, uh, again, they were maligned last year. They couldn't stop anyone through the air. This Miami defense is looking legit. Okay, let me ask this question because we didn't do it before we started. How many are we going to agree on? Well, let me look here. Uh, And I'll give a public service announcement while you're doing that. Never pay up for quarterback. This has been a public service announcement of the Blitz podcast and the huddle. Please never pay up for quarterback. I'm going to say two. You know what? I'm going to take the under. You might. I mean, this is like I said, this is a weird week. So, okay. Because I already know I don't have, I know we don't have the stay away together. You said you're staying away from Brady. I'm staying away from Drew Brees. He was on my list. He's, he's, he's out of the dome. He's on the road in New York. Weather could possibly be an issue. You know that the winds always swirl up there. Um, not saying that he's going to be horrible, but I'm not paying up for him at that price when he's not at home or in a dome. Exactly. So, okay. Who's your value play? I bet we this might be one we agree on. This is one I'm kind of thinking might be it. I'm going to take Carson Wentz at Tennessee. Nope. <clears throat> uh, Wentz got his feet wet this past week. Didn't look dreadful. He actually looked fairly capable in the pocket. Uh, even moved around a little bit more than I expected him to. Well, this week he gets the full playbook. Uh, he has all of his weapons coming back from the running game as well, uh, including Darren Sproles, who should be a nice little uh, safety valve there. They've started using Dallas Gator, Goddard, or however he wants to pronounce his name, in the uh, pass-catching game. Both him and Ertz were targeted eight times last uh, last night. They were both very involved. You know, the Titans, I'm not quite sure how they managed to discombobulate Blake Bortles this past week, but Carson Wentz is so much better than Blake Bortles. I just have to assume, based on attrition alone, Wentz should be able to throw for 275 and two, probably even three. So I did look at Wentz. I did look at... Um... Matt Ryan also. I thought they both were priced a little too high, so I wanted to push down just a little bit lower. Um, and I went with Ryan Tannehill in a statement game, even though he's on the road. It's either going to be game scripts in his favor because he's going to have to throw the ball because New England's going to whoop their rear ends, or that's how Miami's going to roar out to you know, put the Patriots at 1-3 and three, and Miami at 4-0 and oh, will be on the arm of Ryan Tannehill. One other guy that was a little bit lower that I thought about here was Mitchell Trubisky. I, I Again, we haven't seen a ton yeah. from him yet this year, but it is Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay has holes throughout their defense, particularly in the secondary. And he's at home. Uh, and he is at home, so he's going to have the comfort of that. I, 
if, if I'm going to pay down, I could see paying down for him. Uh, possibly go with Baker Mayfield at Oakland. Yeah, I don't like – you know me, I, I'm always going to try and push for a guy that's at home versus being on the road unless it's something that's just so sweet, like, say, Kansas City secondary or something. But, yeah, there's no reason to pay up, that's for sure. So, okay, we have zero that we agreed on in quarterback. Go ahead and kick us off at running back. I have a feeling that we're going to agree on the very first one. I'm going to pay up for Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, God, no. You went with Melvin Gordon, right? I did not. I went with Alvin Kamara. Oh, interesting. Uh, Okay, so Zeke, Detroit has allowed four running back touchdowns this year to go along with 188 combo yards per game to the position. Zeke is the entire Dallas offense. He has 48 of the 52 running back carries so far, and he leads the team in targets with 18 targets. The entire offense of Dallas is Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, anything less than 150 this week would be a really, really poor showing by Dallas. So here's the thing. I actually was going to have Zeke. Zeke was my 1B, okay? Um, Because of all those reasons, he's at home. I think Detroit's going to have a letdown game coming off that big win against New England, you know, based on how their coach wanted to go up and beat Belichick, et cetera. But I looked at the price, 7,700. I'm like, that's not, I mean, that's paying up relative to the position, but man, Kamara's just shy of 10K. And while I expect Breeze to have a worse non-Breeze-like day, means that Kamara's going to be the one that's getting work in the run game. And the guy just looks good right now. I mean, if you were to have a draft today, who's going one, who's going two? Is it Gurley then Kamara or Kamara then Gurley? Uh, probably Gurley Kamara still, yep. but uh, Kamara's definitely uh, jumped ahead of the other guys. Absolutely. And then number three, it's not even close. That's where you, you fall down a tier at that point. Yes. So, so yeah, I can't fault you for, for taking Zeke, but that's my thought process behind Kamara. Worst case scenario, he's still going to be evolved enough to be a safe play. Um, who are you passing on? My stay away is Saquon Barkley this week uh, in that same game. Uh, through three weeks, New Orleans has allowed an average of 78 total yards. Not 78 rushing yards, 78 total yards per game to opposing running backs. This includes allowing them only three receptions per week. Now, obviously, Barkley has been active in the passing game. He'll probably be even more active in the passing game without Evan Engram there this week. But you know what? New York's offensive line is just its so shredded right now. They're, they're moving pieces around like it's a Jenga board. It's a wreck. It's not pretty. It's... I mean, He's averaging probably two yards before contact. Every yard that Saquon Barkley is getting is after contact. It's amazing uh, how what he's doing with so little there. But it's just not enough to pay up that much for him this week. Okay, so mine might be a punt, but, and I think that's because people will be tempted to play him, but I'm going to say that my stay away is Leonard Fournette, and I did have Barkley on my short list because he, he's coming off that hamstring. They're coming off a loss. I think that if he's playing, that people might think that they're going to have to feed him because you know they didn't their offense going the way it should have been, et cetera. I want no parts of a running back coming off of a of a hamstring until I see exactly what he's got to offer. So it might seem like a punt or it might seem like a chalk not play, but I can see people trying to be contrarian putting Fournette in their lineups this week. Don't do it. Well, and so this was just a, another weird situation this week in the Jacksonville running back camp on Friday. All the news was suggesting that Leonard Fournette was going to play and that TJ Yeldon would be uh, not active. And then, of course, we get to Sunday morning and the script flipped and TJ Yeldon is 
uh, slated to start, and Leonard Fournette is out. And, of course, neither of those things happen. Corey Grant ends up actually starting the game for Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. good figure. All right, I guarantee you we're not going to match on this one. Okay, who is your value play? My value play is Gio Bernard. He's $6,300 and $6,400. Let me see. He's number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's top 10 priced running back. So how is that a value? You're supposed to answer me. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> okay. He's, he's a value because if you took the name away and looked at the matchup, he should be priced around eight to nine grand. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, they, since they lost Deion Jones and Keanu Neal, more Deion Jones than Keanu Neal, really, this is what this comes down to. The Falcons have given up, like, I think, 693 receptions for 12,563 yards or something like that. I mean, seriously, go look at what Kamara did to him. Go look at what Christian McCaffrey did to him. Gio's going to do the same. Geo has a huge game coming. I didn't want to go dig deep. There's no need because we talk. This is our value play. He's a value if you get him at that price, and he can give you almost $10,000 worth, and that's what I'm saying. So we want three times value at $8,500. We're going to get around 27 points PPR from, from Mr. Geo this week. Oh, I love Gio this week. I actually, again, I, I have him ranked number four overall this week at running back. So okay. that's really the only reason I didn't choose him as a value play. I, but I agree. Again, he's going to return well over three times value based on this price tag yeah. this week. Yeah. Uh, my, oh, my value play this week is. If you want a deep number, I'm not going to give any. I'm just going to say Aaron Jones. Now you can go. Exactly. I agree with you there, too. I, I'm going right around that same territory as Aaron Jones. So I'm going to take Chris Carson at Arizona. 4,600, 6,400. You know, even Pete Carroll can't screw this one up, can he? <laughs> no, he shouldn't be able to. Uh, amazingly, Carroll found out on Sunday what happens when you give your best running back lots of carries. You actually win. Well, Arizona is allowing more than 190 combo yards per game to opposing running backs, and they have given up six touchdowns to the running back position right this year, including a couple through the air. Uh, Chris Carson, 32 touches. I'm sorry, 32 carries and two touches this week. Uh, if he gets anywhere near a full complement of touches this coming week, big line at a very cheap price. By the way, earlier when you were doing news bits, I meant to say this and I, I lost my train of thought, but you said after Carry on Johnson hit the 100-yard mark, they then brought in LeGarrette Blunt. I think they did that just to make to sure he did. Yes, to make sure he didn't lose yardage on another carry, and then have the kid not get the hundred yards. I honestly really believe that. I do. It's quite possible. <laughs> All right, here's where we're going to agree. Let's do it. Go to. Let's go to the wide receiver. You know, I don't know if we're going to agree here either. Uh, <laughs> I'm paying up for DeAndre Hopkins at Indianapolis. We got, we got one. one. We got one. We got one. Uh, can we get the uh, gif of Annie Potts screaming that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Indianapolis has faced only one premium wide receiver this year. That was A.J. Green back in week one. He went for six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. They've done fairly well against uh, middling number one wide receivers in their other two games. But, again, Indianapolis' secondary is not good enough to cover and handle both DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. Will Fuller. DraftKings price is ridiculously absurd low considering how he's played. However, his FanDuel price puts him a little higher. So I, I'm kind of torn on him. I, I love him in DraftKings. I hate him in FanDuel this week. But I love DeAndre on both sides of the ball at 8 yep. 4 and 8 600 
No, I don't disagree with you, and I think we see Watson getting a little more comfortable. Um, and this could be a higher-scoring game also, which, of course, bodes well for him too. So as far as the stay away. I'm this stay- is where we might meet up again. I-, I think we might. I'm staying away from Devontae Adams. Oh, we didn't. Oh, who are you staying away from? <laughs> I'm going to stay away from the guy I touted last week, Julio Jones versus Cincinnati. you got to be kidding me. Kelvin Ridley, same number of touchdowns last week that Julio Jones has had total since Steve Sarkeesian took over this offense. Uh, he had the world on a plate for him this past week, and he posted a bat line. So what I didn't like about Devontae Adams was his price. It was a little lower. I wanted to pick a higher-priced guy to say that I, stayed, I wanted to stay away from. But let me say this. He's still up there. Is he three, four, five, six? Still a top-seven-priced wide receiver, right? What I don't like about him. What I like about him is he's at home. What I don't like is that Aaron Rodgers is clearly still not Aaron Rodgers yet. Also, they're playing Buffalo. Did you happen to notice what um, Tredavious White did to Stephon Diggs? He shadowed them the entire game, and it was like 11 targets and two receptions or something like that total. Two for 14 or something. So yep. add that, put all that in together, and it's like, yeah, I think I'll pass. Yeah, but what that does mean, however, is that we should get better play out of Cobb and Geronimo Ellison. That is true. But I, that's why I'm not expecting it to come from Adams. And you might get some from Jimmy, too. But I'm, I would not want to bank on Mr. Adams this week, which pains me to say since I've got multiple shares of him. Who is your value play this week? So my value play, I'm actually shocked that he wasn't a little cheaper. Um, it's not Josh Gordon. I want it to be, but it's not. I'd rather see him suit up first. And I don't think this guy has huge upside, but in a slight revenge game, I'm stacking Mr. Tannehill <laughs> and Mr. Amendola. We, we didn't match on this one, but I definitely took the revenge game factor into play. And uh, I, I'm, I'm pimping Danny Amendola in pretty much every single lineup this week with the revenge game factor. He left with a bad taste in his mouth for Belichick. And you know he just wants to stick it to him really bad. Uh, the guy I chose, though, uh, Tyler Boyd at Atlanta. Very close. We right, talked a little I, bit about Atlanta's I was very close horrible to secondary. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Green's still a little dinged up. We don't know his full – we assume he's going to play, but we don't know his perfect status for the start of the game. Uh, Atlanta has lost half of its secondary to injuries now. Boyd, meanwhile, has posted 12 catches, 223 yards, and two touchdowns over the last two games. You know, everyone this preseason, all the football prognosticators and fantasy heralds were saying – Go get John Ross. Go get John Ross. Well, we were all wrong. Sorry, Tyler Boyd. Yep. <laughs> and I think he was still available on a wa- on one of the waiver wires I looked at as early as last week, I think. He, he might still be available on some waiver wires going mm-hmm. into this week. So if, if you've got a high waiver claim this week, uh, certainly consider the likes of either Tyler Boyd or I, I'm sure Kelvin Ridley will be a popular pickup this week as well. Okay, you said two matches. I took the under, right? Yes. This might get you a win right here. I'm going to tell you that my pay-up, the guy I'm paying up for, and I don't think he's really high enough price for me to call pay-up. I've always had that problem at tight end. But it's George Kittle. Oh. No. Oh, I'm going to win no. this one then, I think. Not, I'm... Uh, I, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier. He's got the relationship with Beathard, uh, sort of a safety valve, maybe his banky, so to speak. Uh, I, I don't mind it. Uh, I, I just want to see a little bit more of Beathard myself before I again he's not really that bad again with all the injuries 
See, yeah, that, I, I can get behind that one. <laughs> see, well, that's see, that's the thing, though. I've talked myself into liking that one. <laughs> that's the thing, though. I think most people are going to try to pivot off of it because they're going to be so scared of Bethard. And, and I think that it makes for a decent play. I mean, let's take a look at something here real quick. What are we talking about? We're talking Chargers, right? Let's see. Maybe the Chargers do stink. I don't know. No, actually, it's not a great matchup on paper. Chargers have given up their third best against tight ends this year. So from a fantasy standpoint, points-wise. Um, but I just, I still I like the matchup, and I think that it's one that he's going to lean on him, and that's why I'll pay up for him. Well, when you talk about third best, though, let's look at, I mean, they plotted to shut down Travis Kelsey in week one, and yep. they've, they've always been good against him. But then they faced Buffalo. <laughs> yes. And they faced the Rams. Two teams that don't that have really tight ends. Don't have tight ends. So uh, count it what you will. I think that Kittle is still in play, and I, I do yep. kind of like him this week. The guy I'm paying up for is a little bit pricier, and he's also been kind of hit and miss all season this Uh-oh. year. Jimmy Graham okay. versus Buffalo. Okay. I thought you were going to hit my stay away, quite honestly. Oh. Well, Jimmy Graham hasn't been the touchdown magnet we thought he would be in Green Bay, but he does rank third on the team in targets. And like you said, with Aaron Rodgers not as mobile as he's as we'd like him to be, I, I think that means they're going to throw more short passes to him and Cobb this week. Uh, on the season, uh, Graham ranks third on the team with 19 targets and 13 receptions. Uh, Buffalo, they've only allowed one tight end touchdown this year but they are allowing an average of six catches and 71 yards to the position. So even if Graham doesn't score, which he's more prone to do than not, uh, he's going to get a few yards here. And you know what's funny? Both those guys are priced 4500 4200 That's what, not what I would call paying up, but that's just how the position's priced. So that leads me to my stay away. Um, pick one. Gronkowski or Ertz, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to pay up for either of them um, based on price. Just don't see the need. I can get why somebody might want to pay up for Gronk. I'm staying away from both due to price. Well, then we'll get a half victory here because I'm staying away from Gronk as well at that price. You know, until Josh Gordon and or Julian Edelman are on the field, uh, Gronk will continue to receive the double and triple teams. He's always a threat to score a touchdown. There's, there's no denying that. But over the last two weeks, he's been targeted a total of nine times only simply because he can't get free. And over those games, he's averaging three catches for 33 yards a game. That ranks him 19th at the position over that two-game span. That's behind such notable tight ends as Mark Andrews, Vernon Davis, and Joshua Perkins. <laughs> so you're, you're paying for name, not for <laughs> who production. Who is Joshua Perkins? I don't know. I don't even know who Joshua Perkins is. Didn't he do like the, the um, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom or something? Perhaps. Um, so for what it's worth, I did have Ertz written first and then Gronk second, so I think that making it a half is a good way to do that. That means right now I'm winning at my Vegas under two. wins right now because we didn't get the so – it, it's one and a half versus two points. It, it, <laughs> com, it comes to this, and since I probably have the less believable um, – I don't want to say bad integrity, but since you might think I might change my mind, I'm going to tell you who my value play is first. Go ahead. It is Austin Hooper. Do we agree? Wait. We, we didn't match, but I was right there with you on Austin Hooper this week. Okay. So, I mean, he's facing a Bengals team, right, mm-hmm. that has given up the most points to tight ends this year. Yeah, going into uh, this weekend, they had given up 99 yards per game to the tight end position. Uh, I haven't accumulated their numbers for this past weekend yet, but uh, 
I, I like that play. I considered Hooper here. Uh, the guy I'm taking as my value play is only 3,500. That's O.J. Howard, who uh, we're watching right now uh, not catch a touchdown from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago has given up easy, easy touchdown passes in back-to-back games to opposing mediocre tight ends. Uh, this week he's facing a team with two very good tight ends. Now, Howard has been the preferred target of Fitzpatrick so far. You know, Coming into this game, Brake didn't have a catch. Of course, he immediately goes and scores a touchdown in the first drive. Uh, but through the first two games, uh, Mr. Howard has averaged 75 yards per game. So I think he's going to have a decent score, a decent stat line. Uh, and I think he's the better bet to score despite what's happened in this game so far. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I just wanted to go for a cheap guy. And when I saw that he had such a cush matchup and he's, and he's shown some life this year. So, um, I guess I win. <laughs> well, and there's one other name to consider, I think this week, uh, and that is, uh, Dallas Geidert, uh, obviously he became Zach Ertz 2.0, so to speak there. Yeah. And I think that they're going to use this uh, a lot like the Patriots did uh, several years ago when they had Gronk and uh, Aaron Hernandez. They're going to use both of them, yep. particularly in the red zone, uh, both, again, targeted eight times, uh, big yardage for both of them last week. I think they're both going to be huge plays the rest of the year. But again, you're you're paying up sixty two hundred for Ertz versus yep. twenty eight hundred for Gettard. So, and, and I would absolutely do that if I wanted to pay up for a Philly tight end. I'd have I'd go for Goddard also because of that. Um, and then I think his value also is better right now with Alshon out, um, yes. so they can develop that rapport, and that's going to help for the season. I said it on one of our our you know episodes earlier this year is that if Ertz goes out, Goddard is a league winning type player to have on your team. A sneaky thought, too, with the injury to Engram is uh, looking at former Viking Red Ellison, who uh, was always kind of a red zone threat here with Minnesota. So I could see him being a sneaky touchdown uh, only type play for the Giants this week. Okay. All right. So anything to add before we we cut on out of this boy? No, uh, it was a very uh, action packed. And uh, you know what? I feel better about myself now, much like going to the therapist. (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is kind of like a therapeutic uh, lesson for me to get over uh, what happened to the Vikings this past weekend. Well, do you want to know what was therapeutic for me? What was therapeutic for me was I actually got to watch football this weekend instead of driving like I did the previous week. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because we've got Tank. We've had him for a week now. He's a great dog. Um, and as, of, as it stands right now, he seems to be a good luck charm for my wife's brownies. Um, so let's see if he can keep that streak going for her. Sounds good. Okay, well, listen, make sure that you follow my man Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can, of course, follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. You can listen to this show, of course, at The Huddle, which you're probably doing if you're listening right now. But you can also listen to us on iTunes. And if you do, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. And until next week, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>